You're listening to the music podcast with Dave and Neil. The music podcast with Dave and Neil. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the music podcast. Uh, before we get started, we have to thank our proud sponsor, Odira Headphones. Uh, on this episode, uh, we're not in the studio, we're actually in the heart of Sydney. We're in a, I guess, secret location, I guess you call it. Undisclosed. Oh. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're in a hotel, but uh, I am stoked to be joined by uh, Mr. William Ryan Key. Hello. Thank you How's so much for, for being on the show. Yeah, of course. Um, it's it's very exciting to have you here. Um, I think, personally, I think I've interviewed like two or three times okay. since like 2012. Right on. Um, but this is the first time we get to meet, so... This is great. I mean, we met like literally seconds ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as we speak, you're what, eight hours playing Sydney tonight? Um, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And about eight, eight hours from kickoff. Yeah. yeah. And you played Brisbane early this week. How was uh, your first ever solo headline show in Australia? Uh, it was awesome, man. It was my first ever solo headline show anywhere in the world, really. Oh, really? Um, I've done a couple, I've done several shows um, on, on my own since yellow card broke up mm. uh but most of them were private engagements and only one of them was kind of like a benefit show sort mm-hmm. of thing that i did in long island so monday in brisbane was technically the first ever public on sale build mm. you know uh name on the marquee at a venue headline show. sure so um but it was incredible i was really really nervous I saw that on Instagram. Why? Uh, it took like three or four songs to, I think, to kind really? of settle in and open up and realize, yeah, it was going to be okay, you know? Is that, is that weird? Man, playing a room of 100 people is a lot harder than playing a room of 1,000 people. Why and is that? I, you're, it's hard to explain, but I would use the, um, you know, under a microscope saying mm. kind of thing, under a magnifying glass, whatever mm. you want to say. Um you're you're just more every every move you make and every word you say is is more um, um like it's you're just more vulnerable it's like public speaking right sort of yeah you know i i we were talking about before the show and i kind of comparing it to maybe what it feels like to be um like a stand up comedian and like starting out in the sure. club circuit you know yeah. because um a lot of this show is going to be about you know my my solo show is going to be about me connecting with the audience and kind of giving it a little bit of a storyteller's vibe mm. and talking about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And, you know, this is a big transition for people um, who are used to hearing and seeing me play in Yellow Card to come and, and hear and see what I'm doing now, which is um, not even really in the same sport as mm. Yellow Card was mu- musically and mm. sonically. So I think one thing I was most nervous about, um, and this is based on experience, doing this for a while now on my own it was just the attentiveness and people's ability to kind of stand and listen to this ambient acoustic music for, mm. you know, 90 minutes mm. um, without any type of activity really happening, yeah. you know, and that, that, cause that's such a stark contrast to a yellow card concert. Mm. And so I, I got to start doing this with, with newfound glory in the United States in the spring. I did their full U S tour opening for them. Um, so I went on first every night and, um, there, there was that cluster of a couple hundred people down in the front that were interested and knew what was going on. And then there was, you know, as the next 2000 people streamed into <laughs> yeah. the venue, um, I, I think a lot of them were very confused by yeah. what the sounds that were coming from the stage. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I, I have my in-ear monitors, which is a great advantage to be able to play through. Like if people are talking over what you're playing or you anything like shit. that, I can't yeah. hear shit. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so not having done... Uh, a real headline, 90-minute long prepared performance like I did on Monday night yet. Mm. Um, I was nervous. I was just nervous about how it was going to go and how it was going to be received, mm. and I think that's natural. Totally. Um, I don't think it was like a lack of confidence necessarily. It was more just, just general nerves of, of not knowing what to expect. That said, it was my own fault for taking two or three songs to kind of get into it and have my voice open up and feel more comfortable in my mm. skin up there. <coughs> the crowd was inc- incredible. I mean... Like blew my mind. Honestly, mm. everyone was um, just seemed to be so into it and so attentive to what was what was happening and mm. focused on on the music and and I don't. They seemed. I mean, 
and I'm not like, you know, giving myself a cookie here or like saying I'm awesome, yeah. <laughs> but, but people seem to be a little bit mesmerized by the show and that's yeah. kind of the sound that I, yeah. I, I have uh, with my solo work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it seemed to do the job I hoped mm. it would do by performing it live. So, um, it was a Monday night in Brisbane. So, I mean, there was literally a hundred people there, which yeah. is also, you know, it's a lot different than seeing a yellow card show. Sure. Um, I don't have a record label. I don't have, I just, it's, it's myself and, and um, my two managers. And I have, in the States, I, I have really, really great publicists that I've been with for a lot of years. So that's really, he's a huge part of sort of the filling the void of not having a label. Um, but that said, you know, it's really all completely been DIY. So like, I, I, you know, a hundred people coming to the show, I'm, I'm not singing woe is me. Like, mm. why isn't it? I mean, I, this is a huge uphill battle for me mm. uh, to start doing this on completely on my own. Now, I'd, I'd love to sign with a record label or, or something like it down the road once we have these couple EPs under our belt and some touring and um, some streaming numbers and things like that mm. to, to get people interested in working with me in, in, in a context outside of Yellow Card. Mm. Um, but it I was awesome that it was it was mel- a mellow Monday with like a hundred friends. Mm to kind of try the set out on yeah. and with. And that was very much the feeling there yeah. in Brisbane. And I think everybody there felt that they were really like a part of something. And it's been a long time since I felt that way, but it felt like a show, a yellow card show mm. in, in, a, in a club somewhere in 2001 mm. when we all felt like, you know, wow, this is something cool and new and we're all kind of a part of something together. Mm. And so... I, I, it was awesome, you know. And, and tonight in, in Sydney is... A little bigger crowd, and then Melbourne, the show's even a little bigger than this. And yeah. So the show's, it's, it's a nice gradual progression for yeah. me, and we're going to close out in Melbourne, I think, with a pretty big show. I mean, for, yeah. well, for me, pretty big show, and, yeah. and I think we'll be really comfortable with the set and everything yeah. by then, so this is great. And, and Australian fans um, have always been such a huge part of Yellow Card's career. Um, this was always a stronghold for us, even if times were tough anywhere else. You know, touring was tough in the States, here mm. and there, up and down. It was always constant here. Mm. Uh, you know, we always had had amazing, big sold out shows here in Australia. Mm. So um, I'm feeling the love. In the um, the phone interview we did a couple, I think it was about two weeks after 13 came out, and you and you mentioned that you know you're kind of starting again. You know, you've you've built this incredible career, but now going solo and releasing new material, you are kind of starting again. So, and you mentioned that you were nervous in Brisbane and and playing to these intimate crowds. Is does that kind of does it feel like? You know, back when you were starting again with Yellow Card, playing to these small crowds, getting really nervous before shows, is that refreshing? 100%. Yeah. Um, no crew, no tour manager, no guitar techs, no nothing. It's it's me, my, my best friend Josh, who played bass in Yellow Card. Yeah. Uh, Josh Portman, he's out here playing guitar with me. Um, and we're slowly at, we're going to have the, the new EP, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, Virtue has a lot of drums on it, so we're going to have, I will be adding a drummer to the show mm-hmm. uh, as we move forward. Um, but for now, you know, it's just the two of us with, 135 kilos of luggage in the airport mm. you know getting through and um like our 43 hour travel day here just the two of us was, mm. was intense you know but it is exciting more than anything else yeah you know and i um i went into it really forcing my my mental state to be like if anything is frustrating at the airport or if anything is seems overwhelming you you know this going in this mm. none of this is unexpected or or like you're, a, you know that some of it's going to be a real pain in the ass. So mm. just don't let it get to you, and yeah. you know, stay positive and remember all those things that you just mentioned about how exciting it was in the beginning. Mm. And I think we're doing a pretty good job of that because yesterday I remember, like, this is going to sound really bad, but you know, when you got a day off with the yellow card, it was like, oh, thank God, I don't want to see you guys every day off. <laughs> well, just the whole thing. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it was just, it was a day off, you know. Yeah. Going, but yesterday. Was a day off here in Sydney, a travel day from from Brisbane to Sydney, and I, all morning, I remember thinking, feeling genuinely like, man, I wish we were playing tonight, like yeah. I, I wish there was a show tonight yeah. because it was just so new and like yeah. exciting, and I wanted to like try it again. Yeah, it's like a, it was like a drug, like a, a cool new drug, like yeah. it was super fun, and I want to <laughs> do it again. Yeah. You know? um, so, I, like, yeah, that, that's a really cool feeling, and it's all new. Even that feeling is new to me. Mm. You know, it's like it, it took me by surprise. Yeah. I mean, obviously being the frontman for Yellow Card and, and being, you know, the primary songwriter for that, for lack of a better word, do you feel more precious with this material as far as, you know, the meaning behind it and the way it's 
performed and showcased because this is yours and only yours. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think you're more attached to each piece of music um, in every aspect when you do it this way, um, whereas you're attached to like your part of the Yellow Card songs, mm. you know? And everyone brought something to those songs. We, we wrote... We wrote the music yeah. for Yellow Card really as a team. Yeah, um, I, I wrote all the lyrics and melodies, but that was like my—that's what I was attached to. You sure. Know? Um, but with this stuff, yeah, it's a—you know—I have to really calculate the whole thing as sort of a, my vision for it and make smart choices with everything and the way things look and the way things feel and the way things are presented to. Mm. to you know, it's like I, I, it's all—it's all on me. Mm. Uh, and and it's the, some days it's a little overwhelming, and, but most days it's cool and, mm. and exciting. And, um, and I have a, I, t- I took a lot of time to, to find people that wanted to be a part of the project, you know, to surround myself with. Um, I have a completely new team of people from, from Yellow Card, from the ground up, pretty much. Um, and uh, there was no, it was nothing like bad blood or anything with the, the, the prior team. It was just, I think we all, we all agreed that it would probably be best what's the point of breaking up if you're always going to work together well yeah not, but I, i'm talking I, yeah, i'm meaning like management and booking sure. agents and stuff like that okay. i think everybody really just was like you know we're, we're we fully support you but but i i also felt like i think it would be good to have new mm. uh new blood injected and also you got to think you know the people who are managing and, and booking yellow card they're managing and booking you know mid and upper level you know, bands, like big, big touring acts, whereas mm. I'm going to be playing for a couple hundred people a night for the yeah. foreseeable future. Yeah. So that's not really the right team for that anyways. And I really understood that. And so, um, I have, like I said, a, a couple friends who are managing the project for me that were just like really excited about doing it. Um, mm. and they actually manage some huge bands, but they're, they're, this is something that's actually a little out of their comfort zone too. They mm. do a lot of metal and heavy, really mm. heavy artists. Um, and so I think they were excited about trying to, to make, you know, to have something else mm. succeed, something out of their comfort zone. And so, yeah. um, that's been cool. It's been cool to, to take advice from a new team of people as well mm. and, and kind of us all formulate a vision together. Mm. What's excellent about 13, and I promise I'll stop referencing this last interview we did, but you mentioned, you mentioned as well that, um, in that particular interview, you said that with these lyrics, you know, they're different, they're more personal, it feels more honest. Um, one of my favorite songs off the EP is Old Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I heard this song wrong, but there's a lot of, I guess, baggage that you've had in, in you know, in, in talking about how you left the city, you had, you had left friends behind people. Again, what I took away was that mm-hmm. you had people that almost resented you oh, yeah. for, for, for being successful with the yellow card. Am, am I reading that right? You are, but I, it's not that I wouldn't blame those people for resenting me for it. Mm. And that's what a lot of what I was addressing mm. was just, who, who, you know, who I've been and what I've done, what I've done wrong. Mm. You know, that song is definitely not about blaming anyone. It's not an F you. No, yeah. not at all. It, it's an F me. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, it was, yeah, I mean, Yellow Card was a really uh, tricky landscape mm. of personalities to navigate for, for 18 years. Mm. The 18 years I was in, or 17 years, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of moments early on where I just, at a young age, just didn't deal with things the right way. And, mm. and I didn't nurture relationships that I should have. And I... Was that you as, as Ryan Kay or you once Yellow Card started really blowing up? I think it had a lot to do with the success of Yellow Card. Yeah. And a lot of insecurity that really washed over me super fast where all of a sudden I was supposed to be something, you know, I was just, I was supposed to be the lead singer of... I mean, we, we, we went from playing shows like I played in Melbourne to being on the Video Music Awards in two years' time. Mm. It was, it was re- really fast, and, um, and I'm the first to admit that I just didn't deal with it well. And, you know, it's, it's life lessons or whatever mm. you call it. So I, I just, and I'm, I don't think that 13 or, the, or even the songs on, on the new EP coming out uh, are, are necessarily more honest than the, what I wrote with Yellow Card. I think it's just a different kind of honesty. It's just, it just, feels like it's just focusing on a different, on different channels. Yeah, you know? when I was listening to it, it feels very much like you're looking back on the last couple of years or even, you know, like you mentioned, back in 1999. Um, it, it feels quite nostalgic. Yeah. Um, Which is cool because I made a very conscious effort on Virtue, the new EP, to, mm. to not do that. These lyrics, sure. these lyrics are much more in the, in the present. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but even, even with that, there's, there's still, uh, I still am, am 
I feel like finding a, a new source for inspiration and, and, mm. and, uh, and the words I'm choosing and using are feel very different than Yellow Card mm. to me. Yeah. I mean, Mark Hoppus did an interview, I think, years ago when Tom left Blink for the very first time. And he said, imagine your best friend in like seventh grade sitting in a car and a plane and a bus for 20 years. Like you change as people. Mm -hmm. So the band would have to change. And then, you know, what you mentioned with Yellow Card and, you know, there's a lot you look back on there. But then you take it to the other side and look at a band like Kiss who are just about to do a farewell tour. How many years have they been together? Yeah, I know. Like 50. Yeah. Is, do you think it's just different with each band and each, each person, I suppose? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the puzzle pieces of those personalities fitting together and how they're going to complement and how they're going to, um, I don't know, what, what's the opposite of complement? How, how they're going to degrade yeah. each other. Um, it's, that's a perfect you know, science it has to be mm. for you to make it for 50 years, mm. I think. And the same as we were just talking about that song, Old Friends, talking about sort of um, not necessarily the, the guys in the band, but like my, my friends and family and stuff. I, you know, I don't blame anyone but myself for mistakes that I've made. Mm. Uh, you know, as, uh, guys, in the, guys in the band that were, you know, ex-members, current members to, to the end included. I don't, I don't put my, my faults on them um, and, my, and the mistakes I've, I've made on them. I... I, I I put us all collectively not gelling all the time mm. together being a source of, of problems as any band would have. Mm. That's not exclusive to Yellow Card. Mm. But how I deal with that, those issues and, and those, those speed bumps, that's on me. And I definitely did not always deal with them um, well. I wasn't the best at like keeping a positive mm. outlook on, on moving forward. A lot of times when... Yellow card would sort of be in a valley, you know. After after repeat, we would we, you know we'd be in a, in a at a low, I guess you could say, in our in our career. Like I just wasn't, I didn't deal with it well. Mm. I did, I wasn't able to just like pick my head up and 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 be like, it's all right, let's keep forging ahead, you know. Mm. And but then I also at times I, I was, and that's when I really was at my my best self is mm. when I was, um, when I when I could find that optimism and find things to fight for mm. and 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 be a. A, a positive influence on the people around me, you know, and I, I've learned over the years where that is in my, in, in my psyche and in my personality and, and tried, um, first and foremost with the final yellow card tour, um, I worked on myself really hard, mm. um, to make sure that, that every aspect of that was for the fans and was seen in a positive light and, and just was exuding gratefulness, um, you know, for, for all the years we did have as a band. Um, and I think, uh, even when I look back on it personally, that I, I was successful for myself and that I felt content at the end of that run, mm. um, mentally and emotionally that I had given it everything I could and that I, I had stayed in a positive headspace through the entire journey on that last two years. You know? And physically, because I think one of the shows that I saw in city, so what was really great about that tour was you guys would sell out of the room and then if you had to do another show, then we'll play Ocean Avenue in full. Mm-hmm. So I got to check out both shows. And I think you were sick on that second show because you were downing honey. Yeah. Like it was water. Yeah. And like, not like a cute, like teaspoon. Like if, if honey was alcohol, you got a drinking problem. Yeah. You were just smashing it like the squeeze balls in. Yeah. I think, but. It's like, um, it's, it's like oil. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you're in that state. And that's, that's weak because your voice didn't falter at all. I, I usually it depends on 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 the sickness. I, I definitely don't have the best touring immune system, as mm. any yellow card fan knows. <laughs> I think more people have seen me sick than not at sure. a show, which is, yeah. which sucks. I mean, I always hated it, and I I felt terrible. Yet another factor in something along the way and through seventeen years of touring that that made it really hard for me to stay positive all mm. the time because I would get really frustrated Traveling and really time. angry at my mm. at my condition when I would have these sinus infections and stuff that would just, you know, when, when you're, when you're the singer of the band and you have to cancel a show, it's everyone else in the band is suffering financially and, mm. and being away from their family and everything else. And you're keeping them from that because you're the one who has to cancel the show. You yeah. know, the show goes on when other people are saying, I mean, we've had, I remember one time Ryan Mendez had to play all, uh, an entire set of shows in, in Russia in a chair because he had just like crazy pneumonia and fever and everything. But he was like, we're not canceling shows, we can play. But if I can't sing, yeah. there's no show. And so that pressure would always just mount and, and, and weigh on me. And then I, I think, you know, then that makes you more sick because you're stressed out. Mm. Um, 
But there, there were a lot of times where it would just be, um, I, I would be feeling awful, but, but it wouldn't affect my voice. And that was always, that was, that was okay. Plus, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I struggled with, with illness a lot on the mm. road too. Just your normal planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, um, germs and sinus infections. That's what, that's what brought me down yeah. the most. I had to, I had ter- I had surgery on my sinuses a few years ago. Um, and it was, it was pretty life changing. So actually that the getting right. sick, the, the getting sick down here in Australia was, was, was actually, unfortunately, it was one of the only times on the entire final yeah. world tour that I, that I actually did get sick. I was pretty yeah. healthy for that whole run. Yeah. I mean, those, okay, I only got to see those two Sydney shows. They were incredible, but, um, I mean, you mentioned that was a good segue that those last two years, I mean, you guys knew, I think you said in 2015 that Yellow Card, we're going to call it. Yeah. Were those last two years incredibly fun and, and I guess nostalgic for you guys to know this is the end or was that a trying two years? Because you guys knew so far ahead, like we're calling it. I can't speak for everyone. Mm. It it was really hard for me. Mm. It was really hard for me. Yeah. Uh, it took me a long time to come to terms with, um, you know, our collective decision to to do it. Mm. And I just, but like I said, there was a. I did turn a corner. There, I don't remember exactly what what the moment was. It was it was sometime I think in in the studio. I, I even making the final record. It took me a minute. I, 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 we had some, we had some, uh, studio quarrels early on, mm. I think because I was kind of being a real pain in the ass to work with. And I don't think I was doing it on purpose. I think I was just struggling with what we were going through mm. and realizing that this was real and it was happening. And, you know, we had decided to do this one. This was the last time we were going to do it. Um, and it's just my personality type to just be like, well, fuck, fuck it. Mm. Meh, meh, you know? <laughs> yeah. But there was a moment that I did turn a corner, and I think it was in the studio, and I got super inspired. It had to, I think it had to do with the lyrics. When the lyrics really started pouring out, mm. and I started expressing how I felt through lyrics about mm. the whole process, it changed it a lot for me, I think. And, um, and then I just made a decision, you know, and I... Whereas I, when I was 24, 25, I don't think I was aware enough to... Or, like, aware... Like, I didn't have the self-awareness to make decisions. Like, dude, you're going to consciously choose to find that positivity to invest yourself wholly in this project and not mm. let, you know what I mean? And, and not let the, the negative stuff weigh on you. Mm. Um, and, and now at, you know, we made that record at, at 36 as opposed to 24 or whatever mm. Ocean Avenue was out. I was able to do that. And I, and I decided like, let's go, let's, yeah. let's do this and let's do it big. If we're, if this is what we're doing, you know, and this is our, my legacy in music, I'm going to do it right. Mm. Um, and I really, really invested, got really hands on with, every, I mean, the merch, the, the, the social media, every, everything we were doing. It was the first time in a while that I was just like dug in mm. and it felt good. And it kept me, kept me going through the whole process. And, and, um, it ended on such a positive high note that I think it's, it's what's kept me going the last, you know, now these next, this, this next year and a half since mm. it's been over, I've been working my ass off. You yeah. Know? Without Yellow Card, I've still yeah. been just dug in. Do you remember those, I guess, that first five, ten minutes after the final Yellow Card show? Mm-hmm. What is the vibe like? What do you oh, yeah. say to each other? I was a disaster, man. I came straight off the stage. Every night we were closing the show after we finished playing Ocean Avenue and you know, wave goodbye to the, to the fans. We would, we would put on the track from the album, Fields and Fences, which was the final song we ever re- we recorded and it was the last song on the last record. We would just play that through the PA. Well, obviously in Anaheim on the last, very last show, that was happening and it was, I mean, people were just sobbing. And mm. I couldn't stand, st- I, I left the stage and I, I, I got backstage and it was kind of crowded. There were people everywhere and I hadn't quite broken down yet, but I knew it was about to happen. So I turned a corner back there in the House of Blues Anaheim, and, and I remember there were like these two, um, like, little shelving units with doors on them and that were cornered, and there was like just enough room between the two of them to fit my head between, and I just stuck my head between this these like Rubbermaid yeah. shelving units, and I lost it, man. Did anyone come by? What are you doing? No, I, I was just yeah, checking. The I lights. was pretty hidden. I was pretty hidden. My 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 mom and my sister were there. My some of my family were there, and you know they were all super emotional. And I, it was it was rough, man. It, yeah. was, it was really really rough. Yeah. Um, but then we went. You know, then we went out, and and they they threw us a little party at the House of Blues, and we celebrated with everyone, and mm. and to I mean, it, cliche as it may sound, like the tears turned into laughter really fast, mm. and we had an amazing night. 
all together with our friends and family. Yeah. A lot of people who had been with the band, you know, just through the whole thing, like people who, who had, whether they weren't, even if they weren't working for or with the band anymore, mm. but had always stayed close to it. Like some of our very first guitar techs and, yeah. and, and stage managers and pe- yeah. people like that um, were there. And it was, it was awesome. It is was, it, it happened the right way. Is it safe to say that Yellow Card are done? No reunions, no fun one-off shows? 100% safe. Yeah. To say that. Yeah. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that like a, a like you guys made a pact? We're just we're just not. Kinda, yeah. Because you never want to be like you know that comeback guys. Like you go to Vegas and you have like a residency because it's you can't no. right. Yeah. We. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can. Yeah. That's all I can yeah. say. Um. Since speaking of it, I imagine it wasn't as sad, but it was still a, a pretty sad. A couple months ago, you were a part of the final warp tour. Yeah, um, you know, a, a staple in the in the punk rock scene for so many years. Um, Yellow Card obviously played many times, and and you played uh, as a solo artist um, mm-hmm. for that tour. Was that, I guess, a sad experience? I mean, it's an awesome experience, but I imagine it's a bit. It it was it wasn't sad. It was it was really cool, and I I I only I didn't play any of my new music. Yeah, I just I I went out kind of billing it as I'm gonna come and and play some Yellow Card songs because I want. Yellow card to be represented that somehow mm. for, for this and it, um, first of all it was just amazing that they invited me to do it. We were we were trying to think of what other than you know the bands on the tour and 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 um, and somebody got sick or or you know drummer got hurt or something and so the singer had to go out and play acoustic. We were trying to think of who if anyone had ever been uh, booked on the main stage at Yellow Card or sorry at War Tour to just come out and, and play on an acoustic guitar alone, and that was, like, the show. Mm. And we couldn't really think of anyone. So I'm not sure, but, like, it might have been like the first time that that ever happened. In, yeah, wow. In, in more, where, you know, from, from on the main stage. Like, yeah. there's people who play it, but, but it, it was crazy because I was going out on, like, the amphitheater stages and these huge crowds, like, huge crowds, and it was just me and my acoustic <laughs> yeah. guitar. Uh, not the Warped Tour vibe, you know? <laughs> yeah. But there was, there was a... There was a, a of, there was a vibe, though. You know, there mm. was a connection, and I, I, I feel like people recognized like why I wanted to be there and how I wanted Yellow Card to be represented. Yeah. It wasn't about me. Yeah. You know, I wanted it to be about the band and our and and yeah. our loyalty to Warped Tour and what and talked a lot about at the show about how nothing I, I'm even personally now nothing I'm doing now even would be possible without Kevin Lyman and the Warped Tour. They he he got behind Yellow Card and, and early on, and I mean it was like one of three major ingredients that made the band as successful as it was, you know? Mm. Um, so it was awesome. And then I also got to play the, actually literally the last show because I've been playing guitar with newfound glory now sure. for the, the better part of this year. And, yep. um, and, uh, so that was the final show was in newfound's hometown in South Florida. And it was, that was that day was pretty heavy. Mm. You know, just the staff, the crew, pe- people I've known yeah. since I was 20, yeah. you know, uh, that have worked for Warp Tour and on Warp Tour that whole time yeah. for 20 years, 20 plus years. Being around everyone that day was pretty, that was pretty heavy. Do you know what Newfound Secret is? <laughs> we, we had them on the podcast last year. I think Ian and Jordan came on. Super chill guys, super relaxed. Obviously, yep. they're playing out to these massive rooms. And you ask them these similar well, questions about the punk rock scene and growing up, and they're just. Really casual about it. Ian's like, you know, I used to smoke weed and go see these bands, and now I do the same thing just backstage. I'm like, that's, that's fucking incredible. Well, <laughs> they are, and I can tell you this now because I've I've not only toured with them, but I've toured in the band. Yeah, yeah. At now, um, when I spoke earlier about sort of fitting the puzzle pieces of personalities together, Newfound Glory is is a remarkable example of a group of guys that complement each other in just the perfect way to sustain mm. the band mm. um and it's it's a cool thing to be on the road with them and, and see that you know and and be a part of their family on the road and um they're yeah they're not there's there's no sign of them <laughs> slow i mean dude this that tour i did with them in in the spring in, in the states was pretty much sold out i mean there were a few shows that weren't but Definitely all the big ones, all the major ones were Chicago, yeah. New York, L.A., and Orlando. And they so regularly as well. It's not like they're once every four years kind of yeah. thing. Like it's... Yeah, they've lately they've been doing like crazy. So uh, we'll see what happens coming up, you know, this year. They're recording um, 
starting next week. They're recording a, a, a third cover, movie cover, EP. Yep. Um, and I'm sure the plan is to tour whenever that releases. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, just, they're, they're working really hard. I know at like choosing the right lineups for their tours, which I think is such a key ingredient to why the sick tour, the, mm. the tour in the States that was in the spring, early summer, uh, that's why it did so well. I think was, was, that was part of it mm. was that they're very, very smart about what bands they choose to take on the road. Mm. And, um, that, so that's, you ask what the secret is. That's definitely part of it. Yeah. They're really good at packaging their tours. But I also think it's just that they're, um, the, their bond as a band is, is a really special thing. Yeah. When they called you up to, to come do that tour with them, um, were you at all worried? And as far as you saying, Hey guys, I'm not just gonna play yellow card stuff. I want to play new stuff. Were they supportive of that? Um, I, I don't know that they really minded yeah. <laughs> either way for me, them asking me to open the tour because I, I was already going to play guitar with, with them. Mm. On the, first, they asked me to play guitar um, and keys as kind of an auxiliary musician for them. Um, and I was like, yeah, of course, that, that would be rad. Mm. No, honestly, like no pressure. I'm standing in the back playing keyboards and guitars and I don't have to worry about it. I mean, Dude, that's, it's, a bit, that's a totally weird, different experience. Because if I was in that show, I'd be like, that's fucking Ryan Kate. There was some of that, but I don't. I don't care. <laughs> sure. what, what, you know, that's that's again like, I like learn to appreciate what you have and the opportunities you have yeah. over your life, and you'll go a lot easier. Mm. Because if I had had that mentality of, you know, when you be in the back, I'll know, do. I'll do his vocals, Jordan. You do fucking keyboards. Or whatever. Like, yeah. If I if I had had a problem with that, I guess I wouldn't have done the tour. Sure. First of all, but B it would have not been fun. Mm. Um. And and I did that, and then we went and did Warped Tour, and now I'm playing on the front of the stage with them. Totally. You know, I think it just took, we needed to slowly ease ourselves into it. Do they want to have a second guitar player? Do they, what is the vibe like with the five of us on the road as mm. opposed to the four of them that it's been for the last five, six years? Mm. Um, am I going to be a positive influence on the group, or am I going to be a weird interjection into their routine? Mm. We needed to learn all of that. So I think I was, I was aware of that and accepting of that and just wanted to kind of, you know... Um, stay in my place where they wanted me to be mm. so that I could have the opportunity to hopefully move forward with the band. I would love to, you know, I, I know we're here to talk about my music, but I would love to be able to do both things to still be able to like exercise my, you know, my pop mm. punk muscles and go out and play big rock and roll shows. Yeah. So if newfound is, is going to, you know, make some kind of offer or request for me to be a member of newfound glory or yeah. like a full time guitar touring guitars, um, the war tour shows were like a big experiment for us, for me to actually be down on the stage, yeah. down the front. And I think we all felt like it went great. Yeah. Um, it took the first couple to obviously it's a whole mm. nother thing. And they, you know, they have a crazy like system on stage of moving around yeah, of course, yeah. where like they're very aware of like, okay, if Ian's moving this way then Chad's yeah. moving that way. And yeah. so, so it was like, I, I, but I got to watch that for two yeah. months from sure. the back. So I kind of was aware of what it was going to be spots. like. Yeah. And, and I, I, Felt like I stayed out of the way the best I could. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I'm definitely hopeful that that's going to be another aspect of my musical career going forward is, mm. is playing guitar in Newfound Glory. Yeah. So, um, but back to were they about playing uh, Yellow Card songs or not? Um, them offering me the tour was why I recorded Thirteen. I I had no I I spent most of last year post Yellow Card not knowing what I was going to do. Sometimes I would get motivated and turn on my, re- I have a recording studio in, at home. Um, that's like pretty, pretty fully functioning now. And it's awesome. Um, super lucky to have that, but I would, I was pretty lazy with it last year because I think I was just all that like charge positive energy. I rode on through the final yellow card tour. I think but when it was over, I did crash a little bit. Mm. You know, I, I had a, a kind of, I don't know, a few months of weakness where I just was down a little bit sure. and wondering what the fuck I was going to do with my yeah. life. Yeah. So I would turn on the rig and record stuff sometimes, but I wasn't really happy with any of it. I had no idea what I wanted to sound like if I was going to do a solo thing. And then it was like, hey, well, you're going to have opportunity to open these big shows for six weeks. Mm. Um, and I knew that long enough in advance to say, okay, well, it's time to get my ass in gear and figure out what I want to do. Which is pretty incredible, right? Because... You know, while the yellow card material is so loved and, and iconic to, again, in this pop punk scene, um, you do feel like if, if you did just get in that rhythm of, you know, touring with Newfound for, for two or three years and just playing Ocean Avenue every night, or just playing a yellow card set every mm-hmm. night, we get to the point where, like, oh, that's Ryan from Yellow Card, who's, who's still hanging on to... Exactly. Yeah. 
And I didn't. I played the EP. I played 13. All, I played all five songs, and I closed with like a really mellow version of Ocean Avenue every mm. night. And no blowback. No, no. Everyone was... As I mentioned, there was a crew of people down front every night. And granted, I was playing up first. There were some nights where doors were at 6.30, and I was on at 7. Mm. This is solo artist starting new <laughs> band life. Yeah. Um, but... There was the group of people who would get there early that wanted to see the shows and had gotten hip to 13 and stuff like that. Um, and then there was, you know, 1,500 people that didn't give a shit. But I didn't care. I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I didn't sure. Care. I, I, I wanted to project being comfortable up there and, mm. then, and project that I didn't care, that I was excited to be sharing new music. And, and you know, I would say, I would be like, if, if you want, if, like, if you're having a drink and, and you're waiting for Newfound Glory, all good. I'm still happy you're here. Mm. And, you know, it's good to see you either way. And, yeah. Um, if you're into this, it, it's out. You can check it out. But I, you know, there was no blowback of, of like, why aren't you playing more yellow card songs? Or no, no one, no one in the crowd any night of the whole tour like yelling out yellow card songs. Yeah, you know things that you might be kind of worried about going into that. Totally didn't happen. Just, yeah, and and I, it was super motivating. Yeah, super inspiring for me to be like, okay, let's let's give this a go for a year or so and see if it catches on. And, yeah, and if I can really sustain it, and then. You know, Australia came up, and now I'm on the Mayday. I'm opening for Mayday Parade. Um, I moved up a slot, so I'm second. Of, Dang, of yeah, slot, yeah. Uh, on the Mayday Parade tour, which is like 50-something shows in the yeah. States. Wow. Um, I've got three shows in Mexico in December with a pretty big band down there, so that'll yeah. be pretty big crowds for me. Um, and then full, doing Russia, Europe, UK, co-headlining with uh, This Wildlife. Yeah. Who's also on the Mayday Parade tour. Yeah. support. Um so, and, and then we're going to announce a, a U.S. headline tour that starts right after that. So all wow. of a sudden, um, you know, I left for Australia a week ago and I'm on tour for six months. Well, I suppose as well, when the more, I guess, that 13's been out, you know, people are going to get familiar with these songs. So I guess the fear of, like, are they going to respond to these songs? You probably get into a rhythm where people are singing along to the songs now, right? The album's been out. I don't know. Brisbane was the first one. So. Yeah. So, but yes. Well, I'll sing along to on, <laughs> on On Monday night, yes, there were a lot of people singing along to yeah. the new songs, which yeah. is cool. Um, I think a big, a key ingredient to this, as I mentioned really early in our conversation, is I don't have a record label. Um, you know, I've been looking at some of my friends that have been in bands that were very similar in, in size to Yellow Card that have gone and done solo stuff, and their streaming numbers were just like insane on, on their... You know, there's their solo stuff, like millions of mm. streams on songs and stuff. And I mean, I'm nowhere near that. I'm uh, around, I think, 700,000 or something mm. uh, for the, all the songs collectively on 13. Yeah. Which, with no label, I think that's pretty good. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know. I'm, 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 I'm old. A I, I'm, 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 old I'm old and I don't know what <laughs> streaming is. You know? Yeah, sure. Uh, what is Spotify? Exactly. Yeah. So, but I, but it feels good. But but I, I think, you know, a lot of the, the my friends that have done solo work have been on record labels and they've had... You know, publishers getting the songs out and placed and doing all the stuff that that we're not quite there yet. So um, even with with Virtue, which we haven't talked a lot about, but the the new EP that I, I just finished recording and will be out November thirtieth. Um, I I don't think it's going to be you know some kind of astronomical improvement on like streaming numbers and sales and all that stuff from thirteen because we still don't have that that reach of of having that that extra component of a you know, a record company or, mm. or a team of, of, of a marketing team of people that are putting it out. It's it's just us and it's self-financed. And I imagine you know, you I can it. only take so many risks yeah. financing it myself because at some point the, the risk doesn't give you a return. Well, we probably learned a lot of lessons from Yellow Card, right? As far as, you know, having to work with labels there, I guess their demands or requests. If, you know, if someone wanted to sign you tomorrow and they said, all right, Ryan, we'll do this, but you have to do an album by the end of the year, would you say, fuck off? Or would you say, sure, let's do it? Um, I don't think I'm going to have to... I think one of the nice things about being in Yellow Card for 17 years and it doing as well as it did is I'm not going to have to deal with a lot of that. Mm. I think when I'm going to go out and look for a label, it's going to be more of... It, it, honestly, it's it's me saying, why should I sign with with you? Mm. What? Because I mean, I'm doing okay doing it on my own uh, financially. Maybe not necessarily at all where I want to be yet, but but I'm not I'm not losing anything on it. I'm I'm tour traveling and touring, and the shows are going going well. And mm. I've got these killer you know opening for Mayday. There, there's cool stuff happening. Totally, all done without a label. So I'm gonna go into the those meetings saying mm. I've done all of this myself so far. I know what I want out of a record label and I know like why, you know, what I would like to happen. Mm. But at the same time, 
you know, I'm going to be giving certain things away mm. by, by signing this contract with you. So why you need to sell me, <laughs> sell me. Yeah, sure. As to why I should make this decision. Yeah. And that's a really unique position to be in. So, mm. um, we'll, we're going to get through this whole cycle, which will end in March of next year. I imagine I'll have some newfound glory on my plate. I hope yep. <clears throat> after that for a couple months. Yeah. Here or there. I don't I have no idea what they're doing, so I'm not like giving away any yeah, sure, yeah. announcements or anything. There's nothing yeah. planned. But I would imagine that once they finish recording this, they're gonna want to tour or mm. some some do something on the the um cover EP they're making. So would do that and then, you know, summertime, like get into the idea of hopefully making a full length album. Mm. Um and Virtue, the new EP, really opened the door sonically to kind of I don't um without you having heard it yet. Um, I've had one song. It's hard to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, specifically the last song um, on the EP, which is called No More No Less, really opens the door to, like, you'll see when you hear it, but, uh, like, a much bigger sound Yeah. Um, than 13. Okay. Where with 13, it was important to me, like, I have no idea what this is going to be, if I'm ever going to be able to have another musician on stage, if I'm going to afford to travel with anyone else, you know, um, I want to be able to get up and just play these songs just by myself and mm. have it be cool. So it was very, you know, it was very stripped down, very mm. minimal. The production was very minimal, super ambient. Now all that carried into Virtue for sure, but um, like the last song in the EP, it's not an acoustic song. It's, it's all on electric guitars and wow. um, really big um, kind of explosions in the sky, Mogwai-esque drums yep. on a couple of the songs. And I think that's where I want to want to go i feel like i'm if i'm finding a sound and you're gonna genreify it um i don't really know what it will be called or what it would be but i definitely feel like i'm i'm achieving what i wanted to do which is really combining my love of like singer songwriter um you know elliot smith and then ryan adams and jason isbell and yeah lyric driven singer songwriter stuff with my passion for like ambient post-rock bands, Explosions in the Sky, Mogwai, yeah. and Caspian, and on and on and on. I mean, the, the Godspeed You Black Emperor, all the, all the mm. big kind of post-rock ambient mm. instrumental bands. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm open to like people to say like, oh, you should listen to this artist because they are doing that already. But I'm not listening to any singer-songwriter guys that are necessarily combining those two sounds. Yeah. So I want to get into doing that kind of real big bombastic, like loopy drum feels with, mm. with, um, with a lot of, you know, um, affected clean electric guitar and, and keys and, but, but keep the vocals in this kind of serene, spacey, mm. ambient, mellow space. Mm. And, um, again, when you hear Virtue, I think that'll all make sense to anyone who's listening right now yeah. and then going, what in the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Um, when you hear the songs, I think it'll, it'll be yeah. more clear. There was one, um, just speaking of inspirations and influences, there's a, a tribute you did a couple of times last year, obviously, um, Lincoln Park Shadow of the Day, mm-hmm. obviously to tribute Chester Bennington. I, I mean, forgive me my ignorance here. I didn't realize that you, whether it's Lincoln Park, whether it was Chester, that these guys had a, had a big influence on you as a songwriter. I mean, early on, I don't think they did. Mm. I, I was I wasn't, um. I wasn't in late '90s, early 2000s Lincoln Park fan, like a Hybrid Theory fan. Mm. I wasn't not a fan. It just like as you just mentioned, it wasn't an influence necessarily. Yeah. Um, Minutes to Midnight. So Neil Avron was Yellow Card's producer mm-hmm. and mixer for many years. And um, I guess what, what year was Minutes to Midnight? 2008, maybe. Yeah, maybe seven. Yeah, seven or eight. Yep. So we um, were producing Paper Walls, and Neil was asked to mix was asked by Rick Rubin to mix Minutes to Midnight, right in the middle of yeah, wow. us doing Paper Walls, actually. Sure. So he, we actually had to postpone recording for a couple weeks while Neil went and mixed some of that. And I think Linkin Park did with Minutes to Midnight what Yellow Card attempted to do twice, once with Lights and Sounds and once with Lift to Sail. Mm. Um, and then I think we carried what we did in Lift to Sail into the final, the self-titled album. Yeah. But really a massive sonic shift in the production style, the way the guitars sounded, the way the drums were mic'd, you, mm. you know, I mean, little things you know about if you're a recording artist um, that shifted the, the, the landscape of how their music sounded in a dramatic way. 
That's my opinion. Um, what was the record before Minutes of Midnight? Chase. Um, um, was it the what, Meteor, Meteora was not a record? Yeah. Uh, that was maybe, I think there's one after that. Was Breaking my, a Habit after? It might have been the one after that. Yeah, okay. But either way, you know, those records were the Linkin Park sound. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you go back and remember, uh, they, they got a... They got a ton of blowback from fans for for the for minutes to midnight. Yeah, um, and all, I'm only saying all that though because that record really caught my attention, mm. and I became a, a fan. And um, and at the same time, <clears throat> I'm not sure if Neil put in a good word or not, but <laughs> I'm assuming that's part of it. Uh, but we got they asked us to tour in uh, um, Japan with them. Oh wow! So we opened direct support for Lincoln Park, like, at the Tokyo Super Arena in front of 20,000 people Jesus. two nights in a row Yeah, in 2007. Got to meet them and, and then was just kind of loosely connected to them after that for the next decade. Would see them here and there. Um, n- you know, never was on, like, a, hey, man, let's FaceTime and catch up friendship yeah. basis, but um, certainly we're always excited to see each other when we were in the same venue or same arena or same whatever, mm. um, same event. And so... Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I can't believe that I got to be a part of, you know, everything that went on yeah. with the tribute for Chester, and it was mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, before we go, I would like to finish the podcast with um, a favorite festival story. So, coincidentally enough, Ian holds the record for the craziest thing, which I don't know, if, do you know the Weezer story? Mm. So, they're on a tour bus, and it was really hot. And they were using some aircon, and apparently Weezer's tour manager came out and said, turn your fucking aircon off because you're taking hours away. Ian got very upset about that, and then took a dump in their bathroom, but on top of the bathroom. So on top of the actual toilet. The, the tour manager, the Weezer tour manager did. No, no Ian did. On the, oh, oh. Oh, in their bathroom. Yeah, sounds I was right. like, a fuck you. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so that's the record. Okay. Taking dumps on top of Weezer's bathroom. I cannot beat that. <laughs> what's the like, idea? What's like the craziest thing? Then? Like a... It doesn't have to be, like, gross. It can just be, like, I can't believe I did that. It can be a little bit humble. Mm. I need to think. You get to edit this, right? Totally, yeah. <laughs> and I need to think. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, the... the I guess this counted as a festival because it was called Mix Festival. Yeah. Um, in 2006, we did a show with a, a, one, a Brazilian band, a Fall Out Boy, and us in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And it's not, there's no adventurous <coughs> backstage pooping stories, but <laughs> there were literally 50,000 people there. Yeah. And it's the only time we've ever played, we ever played a show that big. Because we did Summer Sonic in Japan that had sure. 30, 40,000 people. We did some huge festivals. Mm. One time we did Rock'em, uh, either Rock'em Ring or Rock'em Park in, um, in Germany on the main stage in 2014, mm-hmm. I think. Literally like eighty five thousand. That was probably the biggest show we ever played. Yeah, wow. But it, but it, I, I'm bringing those up because none of them felt the way this one in Brazil in '06 did. In that, it felt like it was the only time we ever played in front of tens of thousands of people where it felt like our show, like mm. where it felt like fifty thousand people came to see Yellow Card. Yeah, and I've never experienced before or after that moment a show like that in Yellow Card. Yeah, it was unbelievable dude yeah. it's, it can't, I can't describe it because it didn't happen enough times like if you're in Weezer you're like oh yeah well that's like every night you yeah, know sure, yeah. 30,000 people at every yeah. festival and it's always so I only got that one time and I can't explain it I mean you are one of few bands from that from that scene that have gone to VMAs though mm-hmm. you rub shoulders with oh, Bieber wouldn't even be old enough yet would he <clears throat> it w- Bieber wouldn't have been there no he wasn't there yeah he was like 10 yeah <laughs> shit um yeah, I mean, I don't count that as a festival, but yes. Still crazy. 2004 VMAs was also one of the most insane, like, out-of-body experiences. Mm. I grew up watching MTV. I got I got my music from MTV. I didn't have, like, a cool... I, I'm, I'm the older of the of my of the siblings, me and my sister, mm. so I didn't have, like, a cool older brother or sister going, like, here, man, listen to Jane's Addiction, you know? Yeah. Or listen to whatever. I, yeah. I discovered... I probably discovered, as a good example, like Jane's Addiction being kind of more of... They, they were huge in the 90s, but they were kind of more of like an ind- independent... Mm. They, they weren't the Nirvana or Pearl Jam huge. You yeah, know? yeah. And I discovered them, though, because I saw Nirvana on MTV. Not sure. because I had some cool underground rock club going friend or 
you know, my parents were like listening to this like cool independent music their whole life. Like, yeah. It wasn't. I love my parents, and I love, and <laughs> they're they're the best. But you know, we were like listening to yacht rock, sure. like at in Florida where I lived. You yeah, know, it wasn't like I, I just didn't have like a really good source of rock and roll. So your your parents went like same with my parents. Like I'm like, what was it like being in like alive and like you know MJ was around or Prince? Like when they were like just in their prime. Like oh, I'm not really sure. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, how old are you? Twenty seven. Yes. Well, I'm a whole decade older than you, so sure. I got MJ and Prince and all that yeah. because they were on MTV. But you so still, I was, you still been like a. I was a kid, but yeah. I was obsessed with it. Like mm. my first, I think the first record I ever bought was Michael Jackson Bad. Like I yeah. went to the store to buy that, mm. but I bought it because I saw it on MTV. Yeah, and that's my point. So like, I went through my youngest phase of, was like all pop, like Madonna and Michael Jackson and um, and that kind, of, and then even into like Boys to Men and New Kids on the Block and all that. I mean, that was like the mid mm. mid early eighties, mm. and then. Then, you know, hair metal was on MTV, so then I went into my, like, Guns N' Roses and Poison phase, and then Nirvana appeared, and then that's really, that's, that, that I bought my first guitar, I, you know, started a band, um, and once I was in the, like, local music scene, and I was playing around, started to meet other guys in bands, that's when I got, um, my first like, punk rock records, which I had no idea, I, I didn't know that, like... <laughs> was a drum beat I didn't know that I never <laughs> yeah. got it never got into like met, met, you know I, I knew Metallica because of the Black Album because of MTV sure. That's so I was just a pop culture raised yeah. kid when it came to my music Yeah. and so I've never had a problem with with the radio yeah. and MTV and I I, I I think there are a lot of issues with it and I think it could be a lot better than it is obviously MTV is just gone well now it's just Geordie Shore but, and Jersey Shore exactly and, it's just yeah. gone but and the radio too it's so corporate and, and, and pre but it didn't used to be it didn't it's, al- it's always it's always been owned by corporations but program directors and independent stations they used to they, you know they used to have a lot more freedom to it's why Yellow Card got uh, the landscape of radio from 2004 to 2018 especially in rock radio which mm. is almost completely dead in America um, which is a whole other podcast episode but <laughs> you know there was a station in an alternative station in Salt Lake City that the program director just loved Ocean Avenue he loved the song so he just put it in heavy rotation yeah. and there was no they were at the time. They were probably a Cox or a, or a um, Comcast or whatever radio owned by some huge corporation. But they weren't like honestly. In, in fifteen years now, a program director at a radio station, if if they're under one of those giant conglomerates, they can't play what they want to play. Mm. They have to get every everything comes down from a chosen playlist and chosen songs from from corporate. Um, and and that's a real big change that's happened in the radio in the last mm. fifteen years. Either way, all I'm saying is that I've always been a champion of like well i can't hate mtv and popular music and mainstream music because i wouldn't know about music mm. if it weren't for it mm. so like i'm sorry that i'm not <laughs> your your cool indie rock kid but yeah. that's just not how i was brought up yeah so um i'm grateful to to mainstream music because you know i got into independent more independent music later in life but i think it's always affected my songwriting in my opinion in, in a good way in that I, I, I've, I have this sort of consciousness of like of mainstream pop songs. Mm. Um, and then I try to push the limit on that with, with the, the more independent sounding. and um, I don't know what the right word. All, all the words are terrible, but they're like <laughs> un- underground stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. that has heavily influenced me in my adult life. So Yeah. Well, dude, I feel like we can speak for hours, but I'm going to let you go because you've got to get ready for a show tonight. Yeah, let's do it. Um, thank you so much for coming by, man. Good luck tonight in Sydney. I'll be there. If, if no one sings, I'll sing. I, I think, know all the words. I think, gonna, I think they will. I think they will too. But, I'll make sure of it. I'll but, hand out lyric sheets at the door like church. Just like lean into people that aren't and kind of sing in there and they'll be like, why don't I know this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, um, thanks so much. It was an absolute privilege to talk to you and yeah. meet you finally. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks.